Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to Brittany Rogers, a paralegal at the Legal Clinic of Guelph and Wellington County. When the elections, plural, start next week, there's going to be a lot of talk about housing and how to create more housing and how to help people find more affordable housing. Housing is a big issue and a multifaceted one, which is why there's no easy answer. But if there's one thing that we can all agree on, it's that people shouldn't be forced out of their home after a minor dispute with their landlord. Yes, that happens, and it happens often. But it's been happening a lot more since the landlord and tenant board went virtual, and when access to the internet ended up becoming just another barrier to housing. This seems like something worth talking about. The barriers are the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. Just last week, there was an item from Global News noting that the five-month freeze in evictions from March to July 2020 is still having an impact on the caseload of the Landlord and Tenant Board. While there was a significant drop in the number of new applications before the Board in 2020 and 2021, there were more active cases in front of the Board than at any point in the last three years. Ria Renee, a member of the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now, or ACORN, told Global News that when the eviction moratorium was lifted, the LTB turned into an eviction factory. Of the 48,000 applications sent to the board last year, over half of them were eviction requests based on non-payment of rent. And that doesn't necessarily mean several months of back rent. Often, someone misses one rent payment and they find themselves facing an eviction notice. The other part of this is logistical. Once your case is finally scheduled by the board, you might have trouble accessing the actual meeting. In the pandemic, meetings of the Landlord and Tenant Board have been held virtually, and that's come with a variety of problems, some of which are laid out in an Ottawa Citizen article last summer. Yes, there are people who don't have physical access to the technology or have trouble accessing the technology, but we are also aware that connections on virtual presence apps are not always infallible either. When you're using Microsoft Teams, things can get pretty foul pretty quickly because it's an imperfect system for an imperfect system, and it's making the job of advocates like Brittany Rogers even more difficult, and she already has a pretty difficult job. So in the effort to make a case that this is a major issue that deserves attention, Rogers joins us on this edition of the Guelph Politicast to talk about what life is like at the Landlord and Tenant Board in the days before COVID, how the pandemic has changed the course of normal business, and what the issues are that she sees coming up time and again before the board. She will also talk about the technological barriers doing virtual board hearings, the barriers to proper legal representation, and whether most tenants are even aware of their rights as a renter. And finally, we will discuss the specific challenges for student renters, the difficulties in ensuring proper legal representation for clients during the pandemic, and Roger's number one suggestion for what would make her job easier on most days. So I caught up with Brittany Rogers last week via Zoom. Okay, so Brittany Rogers, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Um, could you talk a bit about your job to start things off with, uh, with the the Guelph Wellington Legal Clinic, and and you know, sort of what being a paralegal uh, entails uh, in, sure. in terms of like your like what is a day in the life of Brittany Rogers? <laughs> 
Okay, so I am a licensed paralegal and I work at the legal clinic of Guelph and Wellington County. So the legal clinic is funded through Legal Aid Ontario. So we provide free legal advice and information to residents within Guelph and Wellington County. And the area of law that I specifically provide advice in is landlord and tenant. So the Residential Tenancies Act. Um, so a general day tends to be a lot of summary advice. So a lot of tenants contacting our office, they're facing eviction or their landlord is not fixing something in their rental unit. So my role is to provide them some advice and maybe equip them with some tools so they can address the issue and get the matter resolved. Mm -hmm. Another large part of my role is providing what's called tenant duty counsel. So that means on average, two to four days a week, I am in attendance at landlord and tenant board hearings where I provide tenants with quick summary legal advice. So they're a bit better prepared to represent themselves at their hearing. That, that's a pretty interesting way of, of sort of looking at the job. And I, I, as you're talking, it made me wonder how often does the advice or, or like the, the, the stage where somebody calls for advice and they get sort of direction from you, how often does that sort of, I guess, end the whatever problem they are bringing to you? I mean, how often does uh, a problem manage to work itself out as opposed to going all the way to the tribunal? That's a good question. And I don't always, I don't know the answer to that 100%. Because the nature of my role is to provide summary advice, I am trying to equip tenants with the knowledge to try and solve the issues sort of on their own, to help tenants feel a little bit more empowered to communicate with their landlord and understand their rights. So sometimes a tenant contacts us because they haven't paid rent and I never hear from them again. Mm. Or sometimes a tenant calls us on March 2nd saying, I wasn't able to pay rent on the first, what should I do? And we give them some steps and help them navigate the system. And then they might call us back in a couple of weeks and say, okay, I got the eviction notice. Now, what does that mean? Mm. So I think it, it really depends. Sometimes we see tenants sort of before a legal issue has really gotten to the point of the landlord and tenant board. Other times we don't talk to a tenant until they have the sheriff's notice on the door and they're wondering what to do. So yeah, it, it, it's hard to say. I think we see tenants sort of in every stage of the legal process. I'm curious how the pandemic has affected sort of your workload. And, and we've heard a lot of things anecdotally um, about how the, the pandemic has, because people are out of work there or they, they don't have as much work. Mm -hmm. um, prices have gone up, rent's gone up. Um, if we were to be t having this conversation in February, 2020, would your daily workload be looking different than it is in April, 2022? I would say as far as the amount of client or the amount of tenants that we pr provide advice to, I would say we are seeing right now that we are sort of returning to pre-pandemic levels. We definitely noticed a slight dip in 
in the amount of people that we came in contact with sort of throughout the pandemic. As far as workload, I would say, I feel as though I'm, I'm just as busy, <laughs> but it has sort of, it's changed. So in February of 2020, we had landlord and tenant board hearings in person one or two days a month. Mm. In now, April of 2020, we have landlord and tenant board hearings probably four days a week. So that has really shifted because of the digital first approach by the landlord and tenant board that all hearings now are over Zoom. So I would say the work, the way we work has changed. I, is that a functioning of just, you know, it's easy to hold a, a, a meeting over Zoom as opposed to getting everyone together in person? That the, 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 the ease of access of the technology makes those meetings easier to hold uh, versus having them all in person before? I think the access to technology is easier for landlords. I would say access to technology is not easy for tenants. So I would say it's, it's a, it's a major access to justice issues for tenants. Right. Um, I would say that tenants are not specifically low income residents do not have access to the same technology that a lot of other people may have. Right. I think we often sort of take for granted that we can just log into the internet on our phone, on our laptop and, and attend a Zoom hearing. But I, I would say that's not the reality for a lot of tenants facing eviction. Right. I, I guess that's sort of a, a preconceived notion, right? That, you know, a lot of landlords, probably a lot of, you know, members of the board, legal representatives are like, oh, this is easy to just hop on the internet. But it is um, it, it, it is a serious barrier if, you know, maybe you, you are facing eviction and, you know, you can't pay your rent. You get, if you're not paying your rent, you're probably not paying your Internet bill either. And then on top of that, places like libraries were closed for the longest time. Um, it, it's created a false sense of convenience in a certain respect. Yes. And I mean, I would agree. Sometimes it is a lot easier to join over Zoom, but I also have that privilege of having easy access to that. Uh, We're definitely seeing what has sort of been called a digital divide, where low-income tenants do not have access to the technology. Tenants who may be illiterate or whose first language is not, or whose first language is not English, have a difficulty accessing the technology. Tenants who are living with with a mental health challenge have a really hard time sitting on zoom for four hours waiting for their hearing to be called. Right. So it is definitely creating a challenge for tenants. It's creating an issue of access to justice for tenants. And I mean, what we're seeing is so far this year, I have only, as tenant duty counsel, I've only spoken to about a quarter of the tenants who have cases. Mm. So that's telling me that the majority of tenants are not in attendance at their landlord and tenant board hearing. Okay. I think there's the Advocacy Center for Tenants Ontario, and they created a report where they did observe some hearings. And I think they found that the majority of tenants were not in attendance at hearings when they observed, whereas about 86 and a half of landlords were there. 
So oh. there's a, a huge divide between who's participating in their hearings. And I think a lot of that comes down to the, the digital approach and tenants not being able to attend. What happens if a tenant can't attend their, their hearing? So usually what happens is the hearing will proceed as what's called uncontested, meaning that if the, if the landlord is there, but the tenant is not there, the hearing does proceed. And most often that does result in some sort of eviction order against the tenant. I'm not a lawyer. um, (laughs) Or (laughs) or I was going to say, you're not a lawyer either, but you definitely have more legal knowledge than I do. How is that not a miscarriage of of justice. I mean, I, I again, you you can correct me on the terminology, but it mm-hmm. just feels there's something essentially wrong about someone not being there as action, legal action is taken against them, especially about something as fundamental as like where you live. Yeah, I mean, I I think the stakes are very high for a tenant facing eviction. Right, they're losing their home. And unfortunately, what we see is once you lose your home, a lot of things in your life tend to sort of spiral, right? If you don't have a home, it's hard to keep your job. It might be hard for your kids to continue at school. So the stakes are very high when someone is facing eviction. And, and it is very problematic if tenants are not there to represent themselves at those hearings. Um, Especially with the way the rental market is right now, you know, rents in, in Guelph and in Wellington County, I would say are almost unaffordable, mm. right? So, you know, if you're evicted, you're in a very difficult, difficult posi- position. And it could be argued that you are in a difficult position, even if you win your, your hearing, uh, you still have this now rocky um, antagonistic relationship with your landlord because they tried to evict you and failed. Right. And, and a lot of times, so one of the most common reasons we see people at the landlord and tenant board would be for rental arrears. Hmm. And so generally, if you owe rent, you may have an opportunity to, to stay in your unit, but you're going to have to pay back those arrears. So we're seeing people with pretty hefty repayment plans to maintain their housing. So that can also you know, you're on a year of a repayment plan, that's going to be be a tough year as well, right? Abiding by that repayment plan, because that threat of eviction can always sort of be looming over you, right? That payment mm. plan is not adhered to, and, and now you're facing eviction because of that. So mm. is it a trend that, and maybe it has nothing to do with COVID either, or maybe the present housing condition in town, but I mean, is it like, somebody misses their rent and the next day the landlord's like, okay, you're out. You know, there's kind of no, I, I guess I'm wondering where the humanity is. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as rent arrears goes, and this is sort of just general, it's not really legal advice, uh, but if rent doesn't get paid on the day that it's due, your landlord can serve you with, with what's called an N4. And an N4 is a notice to terminate the tenancy based on rent arrears. That does give you 14 days to pay. So if you're able to pay within that 14 days, then that notice is void and nothing more happens. Mm-hmm. If you don't pay within that time frame, that's when the landlord can apply to the landlord and tenant board. I personally feel it is a lot easier to get on top of rent arrears if something is done within the first couple of months. Mm. It's harder 
when you owe $15,000 to try and repay that and figure out a plan versus if you owe a couple of months, right? There are some resources within the community to help people with rent. There is the rent bank, there's the housing stability fund. So I think it's easier to sort of tackle rent arrears earlier, right? Try and get those resources, try and figure out some sort of repayment plan earlier rather than later. Right. And you were talking that a lot of people do are, are proactive in sort of seeking out the advice of the legal clinic. I wonder, though, how aware people are of, of what their rights are as tenants or of these like uh, assistance uh, services like the rent bank. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- there are so many people who feel like they are alone um, and and will you know, suffer through and uh, maybe allow it to get to the point uh, where they are being served with an eviction notice, unaware that, I guess, unaware of what their rights are, number one, and number two, of what their options are. Yes, I would agree. I think it it can be very difficult for tenants to to seek out that information and find it. And a lot of times, I, I think tenants feel they're in a very vulnerable position. And their landlord they feel as though their landlord has the power. Mm. And I think that's why what we try to do is we do try to inform tenants of their rights. So they can be a little bit more empowered to go back to their landlord and say, yeah, you gave me this eviction notice, but this is what the notice says. I don't have to leave. Mm. And we also try to communicate and create relationships with some of our community agencies so the outreach workers, the social workers, the nurse practitioners, the doctors in Guelph and Wellington County, we try to also equip them with the knowledge. So when they have a patient or a client coming to them saying, I'm facing eviction, they could maybe pass along the information of the legal clinic or contact us directly. Because I think a lot of times if tenants knew all of their legal rights, some of their, their choices and how they proceed may look a little bit different. Right. Hearing you talk about all that, though, it makes me wonder how many people in Guelph and Wellington are maybe one bad day away from an eviction notice. Yes. And I think that's probably a number that we don't, we don't know. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully the listeners to this podcast too um, will learn a little bit something. So if you know their friend, their neighbor, their colleague is in any sort of precarious situation or has a legal issue or just a life issue that they don't know might be a legal issue, maybe they would recommend giving us a call. Mm. Um, we give legal advice, but we also try to help people navigate different areas of law. Right. So there's some areas of law that I'm not an expert in and it's not something that I can provide advice on. But we try to help people navigate and provide referrals as to where they can go to get the help that they that they need. The other part of this, too, and and I know that the University of Guelph uh, has uh, or I should say the CSA at the University of Guelph has a uh, a group that sp- specializes in helping student tenants is that, I mean, that's another big portion of the Guelph rental population is, is specifically the students as well. Um, do you deal with uh, 
you know, student renters very often through the legal clinic? Yes. So actually, when school is in session, every Monday afternoon, our legal clinic provides drop in hours through the Student Health and Advocacy Center. So we do see a lot of students coming to our office. Um, Their legal issues can be maybe slightly different than what we might see of non-students. So yes, we do, we do tend to see a lot of students this year. We did, well, I guess back in 2021, we did switch the, (laughs) those office hours to virtual. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, I think we probably saw more students than we had before. So previous pre COVID, we were going into the office, uh, the shack office at the university once a week, post COVID or during COVID, we switched that to, to virtual and in from what I have observed, we, I feel as though we have been seeing more students during that virtual time. Mm. Is that an availability thing or is that uh, student renters are uh, have been feeling maybe the the whatever whatever issues that are, are affecting renters generally during the pandemic are maybe being particularly or pronouncedly being affected uh, among the students? Possibly. I sort of chalked it up to it's easier. Generally speaking, students tend to have access to technology. Right. So I chalked it up to that it was easier for a student to log into like a Zoom session instead of actually coming on campus to access the office. Right. That's a bit anecdotal. Um, <laughs> but but that's sort of my my thinking, right, is that a lot of students were at home when they would access the service. So it was a bit easier than coming down to campus. You're an advocate. You spend a lot of time at these hearings and things. So I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about how the process can be improved. And I'm wondering what those are. I think the first thing would be a return to in-person hearings. So I think right now the default is all digital, all Zoom. And I think that needs to change, that the default needs to be in-person. I think that there might be circumstances where digital could work if if that works for both landlord and tenant. But I think ultimately it should default to to in-person. I think that's sort of the, the big one is we need to see that happen is the return to, to in-person. Mm-hmm. I think from a bigger systemic perspective, it would be nice to see some sort of eviction prevention in place. So whether that be actually in the legislation, you know, for example, maybe before a landlord can file an eviction application, they need to do a few things first before that application is actually filed. So trying to avoid going to the landlord and tenant board altogether might be nice. Um and, and one thing, and this is kind of a small thing, but it tends to happen a lot when we're doing Zoom hearings, as a lot of tenants are participating by phone, they have no visual cues as to what's happening. Right. So they're sort of just sitting on the phone, listening, not understanding what's happening because they can't really see anything. Um, so, and this was a recommendation that was done in an ACTO report where they, uh, a lot of legal clinics kind of came together and put forward some recommendations. And, and I thought it was sort of an interesting one 
is that there's maybe a dedicated email or phone number for the landlord and tenant board specifically for tenants who are experiencing technical issues. Mm. So maybe that's they're in the middle of their hearing and their internet just stops and now they can't get back in. So could they maybe call to at least let the landlord and tenant board know, hey, I have the intent to participate. I want to be here, but I have no internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because what we're seeing now is if you're disconnected during your hearing, you call back in or you dial back in and now you're sitting in a waiting room. And you could be sitting in a waiting room for two hours because another hearing is going on. They don't know you're in the waiting room. So that's a bit of a small one, but I thought it was a bit of a neat recommendation. No, it's... I'm not sure it's small at all, but I mean, it almost seems like the system is built to fail for people who are being evicted. I mean, that's what it feels like. I'm not sure. I'm I'm trying not to put words in your mouth, but I mean, Mm -hmm. just hearing you explain it, um, you know, if you're struggling to to stay in your home, uh, the system isn't, it doesn't sound like it's built to help you. No, and and I've been reading, there's been some recent news articles. I read one recently from Globe and Mail where a tenant said they were on the phone and they thought they were working something out with the help of a board mediator, but in fact, they were talking to the landlord's lawyer (sighs) and they made an agreement. And I think I've read that now twice where tenants have had that similar experience because they're on the phone and and we Mm. know that the majority of tenants are participating over the phone. Mm-hmm. They can't see what's going on. So they're sort of placed in a room. Someone's talking. They don't fully know who it is. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges with fighting for your home when you're when you're on the phone. Yeah. I think too it it there's no face to the situation either, right? When you're on the phone, there's certain nuances that aren't picked up when you're right. in person talking to someone. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of a lot of challenges, I think, with with, as I've said, access to justice. And and yes, as I said, the stakes are high for tenants who are facing eviction. Right. What would make your job easier? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess I would I'll still go with the in-person hearing. Um, this is selfish, but it it can be a struggle sometimes to do tenant duty council because I'm expected to be in seven different zoom meetings all starting at the same time. Right. Right. So there's a struggle. You log into one, you log into another. So if we were able to hold in person, it makes scheduling for, for me a little bit easier. Right. Um, And I think, I mean, generally aside from what would make my job easier, I think it would, it is a better way for tenants to fight their eviction if they're able to be in person. I mean, it, it, it strikes me as, you know, having sat on a Zoom call waiting for somebody else to pick up the other end, right? You, you, you know, you're wondering, well, what's happened? Have they forgotten? Uh, are they having technical difficulties? Are they in the waiting room? Have I logged into the wrong Zoom link? Um, mm-hmm. it, it just, you know, it seems so much easier. Well, where is Brittany at? Well, she's in the hearing down the hall. And... <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's part of it, right? When we had in-person hearings, I had no problem going out into the hallway and saying, I'm duty counsel. Who's a tenant? Who wants to come talk to me? Right, right, right. I don't have that ability, right? Yeah. So at the start of the hearing, sometimes I get to give a little spiel. I'm duty counsel. This is what we do. But after that, there's not much opportunity for me to interact with tenants. 
Right. And, and I think that's why we're seeing, you know, as I said, so far this year, I've only spoken to a quarter of the tenants who had hearings on the docket. So yeah, it's easier to be in person. You can kind of convince people, explain to people who you are, right? There's a face yeah. to who you are. It, people kind of have to see you to trust you, don't they? I think that goes a long way, right? Yeah. When they when they can see you and yeah, I think that goes a long way. I think people feel a lot more comfortable having a face-to-face conversation right. at six feet apart <laughs> um, <laughs> as opposed to just sort of talking over Zoom, right? And, right? and again, most tenants that I talk to are on the phone. So even if I wanted to turn the camera on, they can't see that anyways. Right. Maybe to wrap up a, a bit of a more broader question, um, because you, you are at the legal cl- clinic, granted, you're, you, you have a, a particular area you focus on, mm-hmm. but how big of an issue is just like accessing, like having the ability to access the legal system, just in terms of like community wide, um, how much easier would dealing with some of these problems be if people could have an easier time accessing the legal system and getting the representation they need, no matter the issue. Yeah, I I think, I think pre COVID, there were obvious barriers to, to access the legal system and to access justice. And I think with COVID, that has made it even worse. So, you know, now people can't even go down to the courthouse and maybe talk to the court clerk and say, what do I do? What forms am I supposed to file? Right? There's no actual body to go down um, and ask those questions. You know, we saw even an end to in-person advice for family law issues and criminal law issues, right? So Mm -hmm. I think, Yes, that has put up a lot of barriers. Some of the the legal systems are meant for people to self-navigate and self-represent. So the Landlord and Tenant Board is an adjudicative tribunal. So it is slightly easier to self-navigate the Landlord and Tenant Board than it would be to self-navigate suing someone in superior court. Right. Um, so it is a system that is meant for people to be able to navigate, but it's still a complex system with with rules and interpretation guidelines and, and procedures. So it's still complicated for people to access. Um, As far as what would make it easier, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that's, um, yeah, that's a big system question to sort of see what would, how people could access the legal system's a bit easier. I think the first step is sort of knowing the first point of contact, right? Mm. So if you have a legal issue, where do you go? Right. And, you know, hopefully for a lot of people, you know, you can come to the legal clinic, even if it's an area of law that we, we don't have expertise in, we do try to help people navigate where to go or where to refer them to try and get the, the assistance that they need. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to plug, because this is a very exciting project for us, is our law van. Mm-hmm. So through a grant from so through a grant from the Law Foundation, we have a law van. And it really is exactly what it sounds like. It is a van that travels throughout Wellington County, going to different spots within the community. So we set up in parking lots and we're there for people to come to us to get some free legal advice. 
And we're starting that outside again, May 1st with our own van. So if you're in Wellington County, look out for the law van. <laughs> look out for the law van. It almost sounds mm-hmm. like a, the, the tagline for a TV show coming. This fall. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I was very interested in getting into this topic um, and, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to be able to uh, get together and have a chat about it, Brittany. And I'm glad there are people uh, like you in our community helping navigate some those sometimes complicated systems so uh thanks for coming on the podcast today and uh thanks for all that you do thank you and once again that was Brittany rogers to get in touch with the legal clinic of guelph and wellington county you can visit their website at gwlegalclinic.ca or you can send them an email at gwlegalclinic at lao.on.ca There's also a list of resources for tenants on the Legal Clinic's housing webpage. So if you think you might be having an issue with your landlord and that you might need legal services to resolve it, don't hesitate to reach out or access those resources, which you can find in a link on the show notes for this episode. Speaking of this episode, that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph, and to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify, and when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays, and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media, at Guelph Politico on Twitter, and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you would like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you this time next week. And until then, we'll see you next time. <laughs>